The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. General Dwight D. Eisenhower Normandy, France, 6 June, 1944 A.D. Stand in the door! Mac barely had a chance to grip the metal frame around the opening in the side of the plane before he was slapped on the rump and the jump master screamed, Go! Mac went on pure instinct, throwing himself out of a perfectly good airplane, chin tucked, hands around the reserve across his belly. The airplane's prop blast immediately ripped away the leg bag containing the Thompson submachine gun and the blasting caps. Mac was automatically counting. One thousand, two thousand, three thousand. Then the opening shock of the parachute jerked him upright. He checked above, and the twenty-eight-foot diameter hemisphere above his head appeared intact. He looked down. He was seven hundred feet above ground, just the dark mass of earth below. There was a little time, so he glanced about. Quiet other than the fading sound of a plane's engines. Lights here and there in the countryside. But no flak, no artillery. Nothing martial to foreshadow the greatest invasion the world would ever know. The day of days was yet to kick off with fireworks. Mac was going to be one of the first with boots on the ground, but he would be gone before the day came to a close. Hopefully. Where was the drop zone? The resistance should be showing a light. Why else had he, whoever he was before he left the plane, jumped? Fortunately, there was an opening among the trees almost directly below. This was a T-7 shoot, the download reminded him. No toggles to steer with, so he reached up and grabbed the risers, pulling, trying to gain some control. He felt like a target. The green shoot was silhouetted against the dark sky and he felt a moment of empathy for Roland, who'd been the first to jump in on so many Night Stalker missions. If a bullet came, he knew he wouldn't hear it. It would just be one moment here and then not here, sort of like traveling in time, except with no consciousness in the not here. He took a deep breath, then exhaled, hearing the air rush around his canopy. Feet and knees together, knees slightly bent, the training from the black hats at Fort Benning during airborne school was deeply ingrained. He glanced down once more, and then he saw the deeper black opening of the well directly below him. It is 1944 A.D. The world's population is 2.2 billion. World War II is well on its way to taking 50 to 80 million, depending on who is doing the math, out of that number. National Velvet, starring Elizabeth Taylor, is released. Auschwitz is photographed by a British surveillance aircraft. Anne Frank and family are arrested. IBM dedicates the first program-controlled calculator. Hitler survives another assassination attempt. George Lucas is born. The 1944 Summer Olympics, scheduled for London, are postponed. The siege of Leningrad is lifted. Jimmy Page is born. Kurt Guerin films a Nazi propaganda film in a concentration camp then is sent with his entire crew to die in Auschwitz. The Great Escape. No exit is published by Sartre. And Max saw no exit if he went down that well. Some things change, some don't. Mac pulled on the risers, trying to slip the canopy, but the ground was rushing up now, the way it always did in the last fifty feet of the jump. There was movement to one side, and he saw the woman with the gun. Shellon Island, Denmark, 6 June, 452 A.D. Then perhaps you should be dead, Beowulf said. 
Perhaps you are already dead, which would explain how you got in here and why you do the bidding of Goddess Hell. The hair on the back of Roland's neck tingled, a warning he'd learned never to ignore. He looked at the barred double doors across the entrance to the Great Hall of Hierat. Is there another way in here? Beowulf shook his head. Only the front can be opened from the inside. We sealed every other door. Roland realized his and Beowulf's mistake as the monster dropped from the smoke hole in the roof and landed on the stone floor with a solid thud, right next to the fire pit, its massive weight cracking the flagstone beneath. Nobody ever looks up. Roland could hear Nada's voice echoing inside his head, just as the sound of Grendel's arrival echoed outside of it. Roland spun to face the monster as it shredded two of Beowulf's thanes before they were awake, blood, viscera, and flesh splattering about.